You're so sweet. You're too nice. Oh, hallelujah. I, that, that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard in church in my life. That was hilarious. I, uh, I am so grateful to be here. I feel like I need to take my shoes off, though. Pastor Barb promised me that the pulpit was higher, but I don't know. I guess I need to shrink a little bit or something. I've already shrunk some. <laughs> but... Um, I'm just so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you for sharing your pulpit with me. And um, I have a word for you tonight that is specifically given for you. And the way I know that is because a couple of Sundays ago, I was sitting there in worship, minding my own business, and the Lord began to talk to me. And he said, I am about to accelerate people's purpose and destiny for this time. And he said, there have been some that have been on the backside of the desert thinking that I forgot about them. But the Lord wants you to know tonight he didn't forget. And he gave me a picture as I began to just meditate on this word, even as I got home and throughout that week. The Lord gave me a picture of a large chess board. And a large hand came down out of heaven and began to move pieces around the chessboard. And the Lord says, I'm going to put people in the places and in the positions that I've ordained for them. For this is the time and the season, says the Lord, that I am calling all hands on deck to do what I've ordained them to do. We've got a great harvest that needs to be reaped. And we are the ones that are going to do it. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that whatever you say, we say yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I don't know, there may be somebody here tonight that says, well, I don't even feel like I deserve to have a place on that chessboard. And I just want to tell you today, tonight, that no matter your past, no matter what's happened in your life, you are loved. You are loved by your Father God. And nobody can take that away from you. Not only that, but because he is your Father God, you were born with a unique purpose. You might not know what that is yet, but that's okay. Can I give a shameless uh, plug? My latest book is all about helping you. Oh, bless her heart. Lori has a copy with her tonight. It's all about how to find, grow in, and fulfill your purpose. But I'm not going to talk about that tonight. But I want you to know that your brokenness does not disqualify you from being Imago Dei. Do you know what that is? That's the Greek word for God's image bearer. You 
are not disqualified from being an image bearer, nor are you disqualified from being a glory carrier. See, there's no deservedness language in the kingdom of God. If we all got what we deserved, well, y'all know. Um, some of you might know my story. I'm not going to get a lot into it tonight, but I'll tell you what. I didn't come to the Lord until I was an adult wife, mother of two of our three sons already, and had called an attorney to file for divorce. Now, if anybody deserved hell, it was me, because I had tried everything the world had to offer. And I am so grateful and thankful. It still brings me to tears. I am the survivor of three suicide attempts. I think God had a purpose for this broken, desperate girl. Amen? And if he could do it for me, he can do it for all of you. So I wanted you to know that. Now we're going to start tonight in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read the first three verses. Now, I like to use the Amplified when I am doing studying and teaching and um well, I just like the Amplified <laughs> translation. My husband says it's because I like a lot of words. That could be it. God's called me to be a mouth in the kingdom of God. When you're a mouth in the kingdom, you like a lot of words, right, Pastor Barb? Hallelujah. But I'm going to take the time. We're not going to talk about, I mean, I've gotten probably 50 sermons from these three verses. So we're not going to go through the, I just want to read it just in case you never get to read it in this translation. It is so rich, and I want you to hear it and then ask God about it for your own life. It starts out in chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance and unnecessary weight and the sin, that word and will preach right there, a whole sermon, right? That so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of, of obtaining the prize, guess who his prize was? You. You were his prize. That's the reason he ran that race. That's the reason that he went on that cross for you. He loved you that much. You're his prize. 
that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials. Yours don't seem quite as bad, do they? <laughs> so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing. It's not time to relax and fainting in your minds. Now, this part that I want to get out of this is about our race. Basically, our race is our assignment, yes? It's, it's the God-given purpose that we were born with, and we all have one. So um, you, I entitled tonight, Acceleration of Your Prophetic Destiny. The reason I use the word prophetic is I want to explain that that just means that what a prophetic purpose is, is it's a purpose that's been spoken and that is lived from God's perspective. See, we see everything down here out of our own perspective. And God is calling us, like we sang tonight, higher. We've got to start looking up. I heard somebody say the other day, and I thought it was so wonderful. If you were standing at the foot of the cross, if you picture yourself standing at the foot of the cross the day that Jesus was crucified with the blood dripping down off of his body, what posture would you have to be in to have that blood drip all over you? You'd have to be looking up, wouldn't you? That's always God's perspective. His perspective is always eternal. And so you see, your purpose is eternal. God gave it to you. Colossians 1.16 says, For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after angels, everything, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You want to find your purpose? That's the posture you have to be in. Pastor Barb preached an amazing message a couple weeks ago about sitting still. How many went home and that week sat still before the Lord? I know I did because it really nudged me to spend even more time with the Lord than I do. See, too much is given, much is required. And so tonight, the word of the Lord at the beginning of this message was to you that he's accelerating your purpose. He's giving you much. 
So he's going to require much from you. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, God lives in eternity. I love to think about things about time. I've always been intrigued with time. You know, I love to read books and watch movies about time travel and stuff like that because I know that God lives in eternity. And he doesn't live in time. He doesn't live by the clock that we have. He invented time for us to know when we need to go have our nails done. Right, ladies? And you guys need to know when your football game's coming on. But God doesn't live in time. And so... This is something that he showed me a long time ago. It was actually when I was beginning to prepare to write my book. He, he said that he actually looked toward the next generation coming after us to give us our purpose. Let me say that again. Some of you need to write that down and think about it for a while. God, because he lives in eternity, he looked toward the next generation coming after you to give you purpose. Because, see, your purpose meets a need. It answers a question. And it always, always, always serves others. That's what God's interested in. Meeting needs. He's always ready to answer questions, and he'd love to use you to do it. But he's always interested in your servant's heart. Hallelujah. I love the scripture in 1 Peter 4.10. It's where um, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It takes all of us because we all have different gifts and talents. It's not the pastors or the preachers or those that you see, the, the television evangelists, those that are always in front of your face, they couldn't do it just by themselves. And Pastor Barb says, amen. <laughs> We're all part of a body, all of us. And so we have to join together in unity, right? Each bringing their own gift. I can't use Pastor Barb's gifts because they weren't given to me. I can only use my gifts that God gave me. And, you know, you, you um, have to know that God is the one that's equipping you and building within you everything you need to fulfill your purpose. 
There isn't one thing that you will need for the rest of your life here on this earth to fulfill your purpose that he isn't equipping you to do. You know, actually, that's, that's the definition of grace. Grace isn't just unmerited favor. Grace is the power of God given to you to enable you to do what he's told you to do. You know, we just have that incomplete explanation of what grace is. Everybody knows unmerited favor. Well, thank God, hallelujah. But what are you going to do with the grace when you got it? You better have the power of God behind you to enable you to do it, right? Or it's not going to get done. It's not going to get done. Philippians 2.13 says, not in your own strength, for it's God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work. Why? For his good pleasure. He's not doing it for you. He's not giving it to you. I, I remember the first time God said to me, and yes, this is the way he talks to me. You know, sometimes you're hard-headed and he has to talk to you the way he knows he can get your attention. And he said to me, Sally, this walk isn't all about you. What? This walk is not all about you. And that's said, the rest of the verse says, it's for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. You know, God is working in you, your purpose, and he delights in you. He delights in you walking in your purpose. He delights in seeing you doing what he knows that he's put within you to do. And I just want you to know today that God is calling those gifts and talents and abilities that he's placed within you. He's calling them out. In fact, I, I'm so sorry, I don't know your name, but gentlemen here on the end, I feel like God's speaking to me on your behalf that he has invested much in you. And now he's requiring a return on his investment. So he says, get ready because he's stirring it up. He's moving the chess pieces and be ready to go when he says go. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God interrupts me and then I get lost in my sermon. Don't you know, Lord, that I'm... <laughs> that's okay. Um, so, God is the one that's equipping you. You must pursue purpose by listening to the Holy Spirit. But not only listening, obeying what he says. You know, 
it does no good at all for him to talk to you and you not do what he says to do. Actually, what will happen is probably eventually you will begin to lose the ability to hear him clearly. I, so many times people will come up to me and say, I'm just not hearing the voice of God like I used to. And you know what I have learned to say to them in return? In love, of course, I, I don't, I hate to give correction. <laughs> I really do. It goes, it hurts my heart. But I say, did you obey the last thing he told you to do? You know, after a while, you're only going to run into a brick wall so much. And, you know, God keeps speaking to you over and over and over again. But if you're not going to do it, his voice will get quieter and quieter and quieter. People freak out about missing God. Well, what if I miss God? What if, I, what, what if it's me and it's not him? And what? First of all, when you're listening to God, and, and I had not planned to say this, so this is free for whoever needs it. If you're listening, trying to listen to God, and you're afraid that it's you instead of him, let me in, let you in on a little secret. It's going to sound just like you. You know why? Because God speaks to your spirit. God is a spirit. He speaks to your spirit. It's translated up into your mind, which will sound like you. Don't worry about missing God. You know what? God's big enough. He's bigger than your GPS on your car. If you miss a turn, what, what happens with your GPS? reroutes and it eventually will get you there well sometimes I had a little bit of a problem the other day and it never did get me to the right place but that isn't usually what happens <laughs> usually it gets you to where you need to go well God's bigger than that God's a perfect GPS even if you do miss it so what He's big enough to reroute your direction and get you to where he wants you to be. So don't worry about that. But I want to talk to you for what time I have left about this acceleration. And, and I'm really excited about the things that the Lord spoke to me because he said, I'm going to give you two sets of three tonight, okay? Okay. It's going to be quick. I promise I won't go over. I promise. I promise. The first thing that is your responsibility, how many know that God does God's job, but God won't do our job? Right? Right? Maybe some of you have heard it this way. You do what you can do, and God will do what you can't do. And so there are three things that I'm going to tell you quickly that you need to do if you're really wanting this acceleration to happen in your life. First of all, you have to know your identity. 
who you are. Because, see, you must have a personal revelation of who Jesus is to you before you can know and be confident in who you are. So you better know who you are according to the scripture. And I'm going to challenge you tonight. I love to challenge people. Um, if you have never done a Bible study on the scriptures, all the scriptures that say in him, for him, by him, by Christ, in Christ, through Christ, you get your, well, I'll give my age away. I'm going to say get your concordance out. <laughs> I, I'm getting better, but I still love to lay my books out when I'm studying. I just love, there's, I'm such an avid reader, and I, I've been trying for probably 10 years to fall in love with the Kindle. There's something about a book. It, it, well, anyway, and especially God's book. So I challenge you to do that. So um, you've got to know your identity and you've got to know God's identity. I love in Matthew 16, you can look this up later, verses 13 to 15, is when Jesus was encountering Peter. And he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter's first reaction was, well, they say you're a rabbi. They say you're a teacher. I want to ask you tonight, if God asks you who Jesus is, are you going to tell him what Pastor Barb says he is? Are you going to tell him what Pastor Paul says he is? Are you going to tell him what Sally says he is? He eventually says, Peter, that's great, but who do you say I am? God's not interested in secondhand knowledge through your life. God wants to have a relationship with you, just you and him. And so he'll do just like he did to Peter. He'll say, I don't want to hear that. I want to know who you say I am. So you've got to know your identity in Christ, and you've got to know who God is, especially to you. Hebrews 10.23 says that God can be trusted to keep his promises. Do you know who God is? Do you know that God's not a man, that he should lie? Do you know that God is faithful do you know that God never, ever, ever lets you down? It may seem like it at times, but, you know, I'm putting in remembrance to that old poem, Footsteps. Just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean that God forgot you. God's right there, probably crying beside you. You see, God doesn't have a choice. And I know that sounds strange, but he doesn't because 
Adam and Eve and the serpent had this interaction that happened that allowed sin into the world. Now, God knew that was going to happen. And so he had a plan for that from the beginning. But you see, he had already given the man and the woman their ownership of the earth. He'd already said to them to take dominion over the earth. He couldn't go back on that, could he? He couldn't grab it back. He has to let us make our own choices and decisions. And sometimes just because we live in this fallen world, things happen. That doesn't mean he's forgotten us. That doesn't mean that he's left us. It means that he is there if you're in the right posture to comfort you, to strengthen you, to give you the ability to get through those things. Amen? And the last thing is um, pray with ears to hear and obey, like I already said. Obedience is really faith in action. And I have scripture to back that up. Luke eleven twenty eight says, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Obey it. Now, I'm going to get into the second three choices and the final three choices. These are the ones that I think aside from your basic foundations of your relationship with God, these are the things that are going to really help you if you pay attention. Because they're things that you're going to encounter no matter who you are in the world following Jesus. These are three choices that you're going to be confronted with by what happens to you. The first one is comparing your race to somebody else's. It's going to happen. I remember when God first called me to preach, after I reminded him I was a woman, like he didn't know, right? But you got to remember, I've been doing this for almost 45 years. And so back then, I mean, women preachers aren't still in some places looked at with high regard. You should have been back then. I always tease those that I, I mentor and say, you've never really been a woman in ministry until you've had people get up and walk out when you go to the pulpit. Happened to me many times. First time was at my first funeral. That really boosted my confidence. But you are going to be confronted with comparing yourself to somebody else. God gave me the funniest example of this in Scripture. Just imagine if Noah 
was comparing, or if Abraham was comparing his promise from God with Noah's. Now, do you remember the sign that God gave Noah when he gave him the promise? We still see it all the time. It's the rainbow, right? And we're going to take that symbol back for what it means. That was a promise that God gave his people. Amen? But what was the symbol he gave Abraham? Circumcision. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Abraham, I might have been just a little bit ticked off because he got a big, beautiful rainbow, and I got a circumcision. What's up with that? Yeah, I know. God, God gives me these things, and I go, are you kidding me? You really want me to say that? This is my relationship with God. I don't know if it's all the years of red hair dye or what it is, but it's the way this brain works with, with the Lord. If you compare yourself and what your race is supposed to be with somebody else, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to end up falling flat on your face. And you know how I know this? We're running a race, remember? Now, I'm not a big sports person, which, which was a little bit of a problem because I had a husband and three sons. But there are a few things that I know. I know that in the Olympics, when they're running the races, there's different lanes assigned to different people, right? What would happen if they were running down the course staring at somebody three lanes over? They're either going to get out of their lane, right? Come on. Won't be able to run their race. More than likely, eventually, they're going to trip and fall flat on their face. So all comparison does is slow down the process of you fulfilling your purpose in God. Second thing you're going to be confronted with, which I think is fascinating, the question is, do I escape or do I go through? It's giving up versus surrendering to God's plan for you. You're all going to go through it. If you haven't already, you will. And some of you, I always say this is my preaching finger. I have three of them coming back at me because I always need what I'm saying three times more than y'all do. But it is the truth. Because several times in my life, I have wanted to give up. And I, can I be honest and can I be transparent with you? There are times even now, too bad, there are times even now, after almost 45 years of doing this, 
that I just want to give up. The devil sits on my shoulder and says, I'm too old. You know, we have a very youth-concentric society, if you haven't noticed. So the invitations aren't coming like they used to. And so I'm ready to stop. I've had a good run, God. I'm ready to give up. And one of those times was when he showed me this in one of my study books. The Garden of Gethsemane sits at the base of a known escape route from the city over the Mount of Olives towards the Judean desert. In fact, David, King David, took this route when running from his son Absalom. So you see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, that famous night... Jesus was confronted with a choice. Do I escape or do I go through? He, he confronted the same choice just the night before he was crucified. Aren't you glad he decided to go through? He knew what he was facing. Wasn't just getting old. It was pain and blood and separation for the first time from his father. So be ready to answer that question. Because God told me, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you're not done. And so I can say that to you tonight. I don't care what your age is. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how, I don't like the O word, how mature you are or seasoned. How about that? <laughs> God can use you, and he will. And third and last, exchanging the now thing for the new thing. You know, Isaiah 43, 19, God said, Be, or, behold, I will do a new thing. Will you not see it? That second part of that verse always bothered me because I don't want to miss anything. I, I have real bad cases of FOMO. I don't want to miss anything. And it says, will you not see it? That infers that I could miss it. But let me tell you something. Being willing to change while moving forward at God's direction is the only way you are going to get to the finish line of your purpose. You've got to be willing to let go of what you've been holding on to so much. You know, I have this microphone in my hand, and if somebody tried to give me something to take with this hand, I wouldn't be able to do it, would I? Unless I dropped the microphone. Well, that gives a whole new meaning to a mic drop, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, you have to let go of what you're presently doing in order to grab on 
to the new thing that God has for you. I, I have a, a saying, those that have followed my ministry for a long time, they call them Sallyisms. Um, and the one that I probably use the most because I believe it the most, a friend of mine even made a throw pillow that had it on with a key. It's really pretty. It says, obedience is the key that unlocks every door in the kingdom of God. Obedience is the key that unlocks every door in the kingdom of God. And so I just want to end by telling you, persevere and endure. Colossians 1.11 says that he strengthened us with all power. For what? For great endurance. We've got to persist. We've got to press in. We've got to lean in. Even when you don't want to, you've got to do it. You've got to keep going. You have to maintain a God-given sense of purpose. Why? So you can finish well. Too many Christians are not finishing well. In fact, one of my dearest mentors who's with Jesus now, she used to pound that into me. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, in her last days, she did not finish well. It broke my heart. I tried to show her because, you know, the child becomes an adult. and Yeah, she wasn't having it. But that made me more determined. Pastor Barb, do you have anything? Pardon me? Oh, Pastor Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I know I'm just done, okay? <laughs> Let's give it up for Sally tonight. What a wonderful blessing she is to the house of God. You know, whether you received a word tonight or you didn't, God is always speaking. God is always speaking. And when God speaks a word to you, it should always confirm what's already in your heart anyway. So never leave a place like this thinking, well, I didn't get my word. It's okay. God's always speaking. Are you listening? Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming out tonight. Go find somebody. Grab them by the hand or the collar. I don't know what you got to do. But get somebody in the house of God this Sunday. Put them in a blue seat. Let them be loved back to life, just like you all were tonight. You never know, I'll tell you. People in the quietness of their own minds and their own hearts are just waiting for someone like you to be the answer to their prayers and to speak into their lives, invite them to church and show them the love of God. It's an awesome, awesome thing. If God can save someone like her and someone like me from suicide, he can save that person, okay? God bless you all.
See you Sunday. Adios.